What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode 49 of the Game Explain Real Talk podcast. As always, I'm your host, Derek Bittner, and this time I'm not joined by Andre. No kidding. Uh, Switch is out and all that, so he's busy playing that. And I'm not joined by Ash because he's busy doing his own thing. So today I have with me special guests, drum roll please, Ted Weeson. <laughs> Yay! Wait, no, don't leave, please. <laughs> no, I, th- I honestly felt it was re- appropriate to get a hold of you because you have done a lot of stuff for us, more than most, because you've, you've done reviews. You recently did the analysis of Shimagami Tensei on the Switch. Oh, and that I, was fun. Yeah. That, that was a lot of fun to do. And I thought, you know what? Let's get Ted on. Let's talk Ted. Uh, do I have a Ted talk? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just see how this you know, all goes because, yeah, Ash, you know, that's kind of why we're late. We we're waiting on Ash to become a free. And then Ted show, uh, it was like, oh, yeah, we have Ted. <laughs> I could just have Ted guest on this. And uh, Ash is actually was getting... Um, some more preview coverage from the San Francisco Switch event, as well as playing a game that you guys will be able to see on the 28th. Uh, get some more info on a big upcoming game there, which is really exciting. Uh, like I, I love what he had to say about it, so looking forward to that. But until then, Ted, how you been? Uh, I'm doing okay. It's really nuts to think that we're one week out from the, the Switch launch because... It feels far away and not far away at the same time. It's 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 strange. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, I've just been kind of counting down the days, trying to keep myself busy with uh, other things like uh, video projects and whatnot in the meantime. So, yeah, it's, it's just crazy. I've also not been getting nearly enough sleep because I've been watching switch in zelda previews <laughs> way too sorry late. about that <laughs> way too late. Uh, i actually i had to cut myself off uh, last night because i watched the 30 minute uh preview discussion andre and uh lucas thomas from nintendo force did mm-hmm. uh last night and then i was gonna click on the zelda q a and i was like no i need to stop like well, for one, because it was one o'clock in the morning and i needed to try to go to sleep <laughs> but also it's just like i don't if the f- if half the fun in this game is going to be discovering junk, mm-hmm. I can't see too much. I need to I need to cut myself off at a reasonable point. So yeah, you need to see it for go. yourself, and that's sort of what I've been doing. Is I you know even though I've been the one uh, helping out Andre editing up the, his videos as much as I can, uh, he's you know it's been about half and half for videos, but you know he'll send me the materials and I'll edit it up. And so I'm getting this front row view of exactly what the Switch is capable of more than most because I have to edit it down to fit within embargoes, uh, and, and so I'm seeing all this stuff and I'm like, oh god, I want it so bad. Like I, I'm. I, I think I'm probably suffering from more Switch envy than most, just because I'm seeing it, but I can't do anything yeah, about it. Yeah, it's just like you can look, but don't touch. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so that's you know, it's rough, but I'm also reminding myself, okay, it's a week. Let's get this done. And Andre's actually been really gracious because he knows about the whole spoiler aspect of Zelda. So he actually sent me when he sent me the embargo to make sure that the preview stayed within the embargo for uh, for that discussion we he did with Lucas. He actually blacked out some of the lines that were just outright spoilers because what Nintendo will do, and I'm I I don't think you've seen this too much with other. Um, embargoes that you've had for the games you've reviewed, but sometimes Nintendo will be like, do not spoil this spoiler. <laughs> it's well, like, I get why they have to do it because like, otherwise they, you don't know what you need to spoil. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I remember correctly, when you sent me review embargoes for Phoenix, Wright, Uh, both Phoenix, Wright games, mm-hmm. um, 
Like, I think they mostly just said, don't talk about stuff past case two or case three Mm -hmm. is generally what they did, which is a nice, easy to understand embargo that doesn't ruin everything for the for the for the player. But if let's say you were reviewing, uh, I'm trying to think of a good game, like if you were sent like if you were reviewing Final Fantasy seven and somebody sent you in the review embargo, do not mention Eris dying. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, oh, crap. It's like, like, oh, thanks, you know, Sony, <laughs> Square Enix. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, it's stuff like that. And it's fortunately for his for his case, because he saw that kind of stuff and he was like skimmed over it because, you know, he wanted to experience it himself. Uh, fortunately, it was all pretty early on in this, like, I'm sure they say from this event after. And of course, they can only talk about the first five hours. But the first five hours for every player is going to be really different because what we got from that preview, and I think that's what really excited me, is that, once you're at the plateau, you can go in any direction. Like, where you yeah, jump off, yeah. that's where you're going. Yeah, and since there are quick travel points, if you go south and you're like, ooh, crap, I don't want to go down here, then you can warp back up to the plateau and then jump north instead. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you jump west, there's 20 guardians that way, and you're just stuck <laughs> as well. So that seems really cool. Zelda does... I'm really... I think that there's a very good chance that it might actually live up to the hype that it's built itself, which I think is, well, one, amazing, but two, like, good, because if it didn't, that would be a problem. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> problem, really, considering, really. Considering that it was the only game Nintendo saw fit to bring to E3, so. Yeah, they, yeah. Hyped, it, they hyped it up quite a bit, and everything I'm hearing about it is, it seems very promising, and um you know, I haven't talked to Andre much because the thing is, like, I could t- I, I could ask Andre anything about uh, Zelda and he would tell me, but I also don't want to know. So he's also <laughs> he he is doing a good job of making sure I'm not getting spoiler spoiled at all. And uh, you know, I I do really appreciate that because I think he also realizes that no, the magic of a lot of this game is experiencing it for yourself. So cannot wait. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. Oh yeah, definitely. And it's 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 gonna be one of those fun games. Like whenever when it comes out, everybody's gonna have a different story to tell. Oh yeah, for sure. So that'll that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, but actually, going back to what you've been up to, um, you actually did your first analysis. And oh yeah, I was I was curious. Like just talking to you is like now that you've seen it from that the other side of what it takes to put together an analysis. What do you think? Um, well, the fact that it took Andre, like, what, two, three months for that Zelda analysis after E3 makes way more sense now, because, um, like, my analysis was piddlywinks compared to his, like, what, only 15 minutes of a 30-second <laughs> trailer? Pshaw, this is Game Explained, like, the ratio is, like, 20 to 4, <laughs> 20 minutes per 4 seconds, okay. Yeah. Um, uh, but... No, it, like, that that analysis took me about, I think, a month to do, because I, like, when I saw that first trailer for SMT, uh, for SMT on Switch, that was, I got really excited, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a huge SMT fan. Well, maybe not huge, because I haven't gone back and played every game, but over the past couple of years, it's become a franchise that I'm very, very excited about and passionate about. And so when I saw that trailer, like, I, I just, you know, kind of naturally, I was just kind of scrubbing through trying to notice what demons I could find without really, like, mm-hmm. like without, you know, just before I even thought, hey, I should analyze this, I was just kind of scrubbing through, and it was just like, oh, hold on, that 
is that head back there Metatron? Or, hey, that's Gabriel. It's just like, huh, but Gabriel's SMT2 design, but Odin's SMT4, that's really interesting. And so, out of just kind of curiosity, I started writing stuff down, and then I was just like, I could try to an- analyze analysis machine, this <laughs> stuff. So, I kind of got a rough idea of my notes together and then just asked you and then you said sure go for it so that was super that was super interesting um i will say i since you've mentioned that you had to do audio editing for some of andre's analysis i i pity you because that was my (laughs) least favorite part no that is my least that's always my least favorite part too just you get to that point you you recorded it you're listening to yourself as you're recording. It's like, oh, God, I keep screwing up and I got to edit all this later. Uh, fortunately, I've slowly gotten better where it's basically it takes me six minutes to record a page, but it's three, it's basically three minutes of the that audio. And I've kind of got it down to a system unless I'm having a lot of trouble or I just have a lot of big paragraphs. But Andre, oh, my God, <laughs> he just <laughs> I, he'll give me um, – a 45 minutes uh, selection it'll I'll maybe get nine minutes out of it <laughs> uh, oh oh well that's even you know I feel a little bit better now because uh, my audio track the complete unedited audio track for that analysis was 50 minutes long mm-hmm. um, and it's a 14 minute analysis um, although unfortunately I had screwed up my audio settings on audacity mm-hmm. when I recorded the first time oh, so no. that was like an that was like an hour and I just had to dump it because it sounded like garbage uh, so yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that kind of kicked my motivation a little bit, but I, I got right back to it and I'm glad I did. Cause people seemed very, very positive, um, mm-hmm. uh, about it. And that, that made me, that made me really happy to see. Also, I was surprised by how many people were actually shocked that Mara is a penis. Like it's always, <laughs> it's always funny. Like when seeing people an see SMT it for the first time. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny watching SMT versions a little bit. <laughs> it's just like, there were like probably five or six comments and they were like, is that a penis? And then you got to go, yes, that, that is a penis. <laughs> and it's just, it's hilarious every single time. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing from my perspective, you know, I'm working on all this switch presentation stuff, getting other stuff ready. And all of a sudden you message me and like, Hey, would you be okay with me doing a, uh, Shimagami Tensei analysis? I'm like, sure, go for it. I mean, I'll look up, you know, I said, I'll look over the script, make sure it's all good. But I'm like, I know nothing about Shimagami Tensei. Uh, I've but you played the most important Shimagami Tensei game, Persona 4 Dancing All Night. <laughs> that is a good game. No, that's the thing. I, I like the Persona <laughs> games, but the funny thing is I've never even... The only Persona game I've beaten is Dancing All Night. So <laughs> I'm, I, I'm kind of a casual, if you haven't noticed. So. Uh, no, it, it's okay. like, you know, some people are all like, oh, play a real SMT game. And, you know... Well, personally, I tend to prefer stuff more in line with mainline SMT or Devil Survivor than Persona. You can like whatever you like. It's no big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just call you a filthy scrub. Uh, <laughs> there <no>. you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm hoping that we actually do get that game. It's, it's interesting because um, some people did bring up that this was mostly just kind of a proof of concept. And that might be true. But uh, the game's supposed to be a 25th anniversary title. And that's this year. So... Like, I'm assuming that they have to have at least started some work on the actual game. Yeah. Not that we're going to get it this year. Atlas isn't always super on time with uh, with translations. Like, for example, Persona 5. That came out in, in Japan, like what? Uh, September. 
September. Yeah, and it it got delayed like six times. So <laughs> Persona fans have been waiting for that forever. So if we do get that game, it probably will be, will be sometime next year, if I had to guess. Yeah, but, once we get Shin Megami Tensei. And it, I mean, it looks like it might be good, and it's cool to have it on a console again. It hasn't happened since, well, I guess SMT3 Nocturne, but that was on PS2. <laughs> so Yeah, um, yeah, this will be the next mainline game on a console, because... Like, there was Nocturne, and then Strange Journey was on DS. Uh, both SMT4s are on DS. And not to knock SMT4 uh, at all. I love SMT4. Apocalypse has issues, but its core is still SMT4, so it's still fun to play up until the final dungeon, which has to be the most obnoxious final dungeon I've ever played in my life. Maybe, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, but... Shin Megami Tensei 4, the original, is still one of my favorite DS games. 3DS games. So, mm-hmm. um, nice. yeah, so it's not like it's a knock against that game's quality that it's on a handheld. Yeah, so. not at all. And, you know, I'm I'm sure it'll be good. It's great to have another RPG. Uh, that's always oh, yeah. always good to have. And, you know, people call this a proof of concept. Look at the original trailer, for reveal trailer of... Uh, Fire Emblem Cross Shimagami Tensei. <laughs> like, <laughs> the one that's nothing. Nothing but, like the game. Exactly, but it's it's all concept art. It's like, at least we have renders for this game. <laughs> so Yeah. It at least has to be a little farther along, but we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, as for what I've been up to, I mean, I, I guess I've already been talking about how I've been covering a lot of the stuff uh, coming out of Andre, helping out with all the... Uh, editing and getting things ready i got i got to narrate over andre's pants <laughs> Did you, have uh, you seen that oh, video oh <laughs> uh, yeah i've seen i'm surprised it can fit in a in arguably like a bigger jean pocket but still like i'm surprised you can actually fit it in your pocket mm-hmm. and it's you know i think the thing is is that like i've got my wii u gamepad right here i keep it on my desk mm-hmm. um and it's got the same size screen as the Switch. And I'm like, you cannot fit your gamepad in your pocket. It is just impossible. Look at how chunky and unpleasant looking this thing is. Mm-hmm. And then it's just the... I think it's not the the horizontal size. It's how thin it is that really kind of... That's how the, that pocket video really kind of nailed in how thin that the Switch yeah. is for me. It's just like, oh, it's not going to make your pocket bulge out like you had 12 golf balls in there or something. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'm going to say I'll probably never get that thing in my pocket. But, oh, no. But seeing Andre put it in his coat like that, I was like, oh, yeah, I can totally pull that off. And yeah. That'll be nice and easy for transport. Um, it was just – it was it was funny because he sent me that video. It's like, probably when I have – commentary over this because otherwise it'd be kind of creepy i'm like all right and i just decided to just wing it as i'm looking at it it's like will it fit yes it does and people have been having a lot of fun with that video to say the least <laughs> so I, I saw the analysis on andre's crap yes on yes <laughs> uh, uh some things are not meant to be analyzed let's be honest yeah. <laughs> the analysis machine is prints out a, uh, an input error, I, <laughs> yeah, I think. Exactly. But, you know, it, so it's been cool um, just working on that, making sure everything was ready. Like, I was, it was nuts. I was up till 3 a.m. getting stuff ready for the, uh, I guess it was be Thursday, when all of the initial Switch stuff came out. And I woke up at, like, um, a little after 8 
a little a little before nine, I should say, in order to make sure it, uh, the stuff was initially Facebook. So it went out to Twitter and everything else as soon as possible. So people were aware of it. And we didn't have to worry about YouTube processing or anything like that. Oh, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. You know, you think, oh, I'm going to upload this 15 minute video 10 o'clock tonight by 8 a.m. tomorrow morning. It should be up, right? Mm-hmm. Not always. No. YouTube. YouTube works in mysterious and stupid ways sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it really does. But the funny the thing with me is I woke up and I saw that stuff. I'm like, oh, God, they put out news. And we'll get into what that news was. But they put out news on this stuff on the day of release. Like, what the heck is going on? This is not fair. So I got to uh, try to – I had to do an update quick. And we already had like six videos going up that day. And I think in the final tally ended up being uh, eight <laughs> between everything. Oof. So Oof. yeah, I was a, that was a busy day. So uh, otherwise, I had been like I, I finished Rise of the Tomb Raider because I was trying to play that, uh, get that done before the Switch came out because I was so devastated when that got announced as Xbox One exclusive for a year. Ah, and I was like, oh come on, I love the original. Let me play this one, and then I had to wait, and then it finally came out, and then it was of course during that busy busy time of the year, so I'm worrying with Pokemon at the time, so I finally took the chance to sit down and play through Rise of the Tomb Raider, and I had a lot of fun. Uh, I th- the gameplay is definitely better than the original Tomb Raider remake, uh, back in 2014, I think it was. Oh, it was that long ago? I wow. think so, yeah. It was it was nuts. But the thing is, it was only two, it was only two years development if you go by Xbox One. Three yeah. years for PS4. Um, the story, though, I think was better in the original. Like... I, I like the development Laura has where she's sort of like still trying to process everything that happened from the first the first game. Uh, but also then they started tying into together this sort of widespread conspiracy plot where there's this secret uh, organization trying to get special things taken care of and she's fighting against them and it was I mean, it was fine. I was not bored during it, but it was also like this is sort of a plot we've seen many times before when it comes to adventure games like this. And it kind of feels weird considering how personal I, I've never played the, the tomb, uh, tomb Raider game period, mm-hmm. but from what I've heard of the first tomb Raider, Oh, actually there's been several tomb Raider reboots. Yeah. Tomb Raider 2014. <laughs> um, it's, I've heard that it's a very personal story basically is, is what I've heard. Like it's about Lara and her development more than it's about anything else mm-hmm. at that point. And so to kind of tie it up with the bigger, the sequel up with a bigger kind of conspiracy theory plot seems a little bit strange, yeah, but especially cause they tie in like, Oh, this organization was aware of what was going on on that in the first game in the Island and whatnot. And we had to do a cleanup crew for everything that happened after that. And it's like, really, you're, you're trying to do this whole, Let's make this a trilogy type thing, an overall plot type thing. I was like, it's fine. It works. It kept, kept you along. But the thing that disappointed me is that they, as soon as like you got that final boss over and took care of the MacGuffin for this for this game, it ends. <clears throat> there's oh. no like there's there's one big denu- there's one denouement that happens very quickly, but they don't wrap up what uh, Laura's experience with the natives getting back anything like that. They just it's just two weeks later. Let's hunt down this organization by going after this next mythic artifact. And uh, so they they basically just set it up for a Tomb Raider reboot three. Yes. pretty much. Yeah, and okay. and they also have one where they like there's a post credit sequence where they're like they have an opportunity to take her out and they're like no we still need her that kind that kind of 
oh. stringing you along type thing. Which again, I don't want to disparage the game. It's it's fine. I enjoyed the plot. There were some interesting moments, but I felt like they could have spent a little bit more time wrapping it up. So, yeah. Yeah. Wait. Do you think when do you think that um, sequel will come out? Because if I remember correctly, the original Tomb Raider reboot. Tomb Raider 2014, sorry, because I know that Tomb Raider <laughs> got rebooted in, like, the mid-2000s, so yeah, I'm trying to Tomb be Raider, Tomb, Ra- Tomb Raider Legend and all those games. <laughs> yeah, but the Tomb Raider 2014 reboot, I remember, got a lot of flack because Square Enix or um, uh, said it was a sales disappointment, even though it sold, like, 3 million copies or mm-hmm. something to that effect, which kind of just went to show the 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 inflated budget that the game had like do you think that uh did the do you know how well rise of the tomb raider did i think especially here's the funny thing i think it did very well because it didn't it was okay on the xbox one but then as soon as it released on pc about three four months later i think it sold like twice as much because people were excited for it that just kind of goes to show like the the that time the exclusivity, of a, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, I wonder how well the PS4 version's going to end up doing, because I bet a lot of the people who were excited for it but didn't want to play it on Xbox One might have jumped for the PC version before the Maybe. PS4 version. The, the nice thing about the PS4 version, though, is it is the complete version. It has all the DLC packed in. Ooh, that's nice. So that, I always love it when games do that. Yes, yeah, so that, that, that helped a lot. And there was only one bit of single-player DLC, and that was... That was a really cool boss fight in there. Uh, did one of those things where it messes with your mind and um, makes like it seem... Psychomantis yeah. style. No, I'd say more uh, Scarecrow. Oh, okay. Uh, from Batman, so uh, still okay. fun and interesting in the way because you know they break down like, oh, this is why I thought this was like this, and uh, kept it interesting. And the storyline behind it was interesting too. Cause it, it tied in very well with everything else going on. Uh, like you could tell it's DLC because of the way they bring it to your attention but it also like if they didn't have that like this is dlc go check this out uh you could easily just slot in as like oh this is just an extended side quest okay um so that was so that was cool otherwise i uh did get finally get to go see uh john wick chapter two have you seen those movies uh no i haven't um i don't go out to the movies very often really the only movies I tend to go out to make a to make a point of going to see are like uh, the Marvel movies because I'm a huge Marvel fan. Mm-hmm. Um, like I'll usually with my sister we'll go and see the new Disney movie because uh, she loves Disney. Mm-hmm. Um, like Star Wars, really really big things. Um, I'm I'm not really much of a like a traditional like guns and cars and explosions action movie kind of person. Mm-hmm. I like things a little bit more fantastical. In that realm, but I hear great things about John Wick, uh, both both movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the movie I the movie I did see recently though is Lego Batman, oh, which yeah. was hilarious. <laughs> I did, yeah, I saw that the previous week too when it first came out, and that was so good. I I, I really enjoyed like how it was just a send up to all things Batman, and it, it actually did deal with the whole family issues he was having, which was kind of surprising. <laughs> but I think it's the it's the most interesting Batman we've had. In a movie, I think personally, <laughs> like I, I've, I'm, 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 I'm kind of infamous for not really liking Batman super much, but I, I'm just, I'm really glad that you know, in the world where Batman versus Superman exists, mm. we have a Batman that it, we have a Batman movie that actually makes a point to tell its audience that Batman is not actually perfect, <laughs> which is kind of what I would like from the character. Is it's just like, okay, Batman's super skilled and stuff, yes, but. 
Batman cannot beat Superman if he's given two years to prepare in an underground bunker without anybody interrupting him. That's always kind of the big thing about <laughs> Batman fans that annoys me. It's like, oh, Batman can do anything if you give him enough prep time. And I'm like, no, because if you have Batman prepare to fight Superman... All Superman has to do is jump up into space and laser beam him from orbit, and then Batman is dead, no matter what he does, because yeah. he could do it in literal a literal blink of an eye, because he's goddamn Superman. So. Yeah, the, the only the only thing that uh, keeps it from a you know Superman making it even terms of Superman, <clears throat> excuse me, is that Superman doesn't want to kill Batman in those stories. No. Like if Superman was out to kill Batman, it'd be over. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, John, with John Wick, uh, I I really I did really enjoy it. Um, it was weird though, like the first quarter of the movie, I feel like, um, maybe first third, like the first act really, felt almost like a retread of the original. Still different, but it was like there's a lot of nods to the original. Uh, here's like these characters returning and all that stuff, and then here's this job get pulled into. And then once that initial job is taken care of, things start getting really interesting and really cool, where basically for reasons, the uh, a hit is put out on him, so all these other assassins are going after John Wick, and seeing him just have to contend with assassin after assassin after assassin while going after the guy that put that put them after him, uh, just kept it super interesting. I got really into it uh, at that point, and uh, the way it ends, it's like if they do make a third movie, and the, the, considering that this made double what the original made on the opening weekend. I think oh, we're wow. gonna get it. <laughs> um, so I'm I'm really excited to see. Like I walked out, I was like, I need I need chapter three. I need to see how this goes because it's still just like the great thing about the action scenes. You know how they like the camera sometimes goes wild with action scenes anymore. Like it's all shaky cam and stuff. Not with John Wick. It is always steady, and you can t- completely see the action at all times. I hear a lot of it's very brutal too. Like very yeah, very <laughs> awesome stuff. Like so. Like, the, the, one of his favorite moves to do is he'll get into um, grappling matches with guys. Like, he'll shoot him in the leg, uh, like, so they'll go down, grab him by the neck, hold them there, or hold them down wherever, in some way. And then two or three more guys show up, and he'll um, shoot them as he's, like, as they're coming. Uh, he's still holding this other guy, and then once they're finally cleared, he'll finish off that guy with a headshot and then move on and continue doing it. One of the more brutal ones that was not in the third, because they kind of did that same thing in the first one, but something completely original is he had a shotgun and he was basically doing that whole thing. And, but the thing was he had to constantly keep reloading the ammo. Cause it's not like a clip that you can just pop one. You had to manually you to, reload yeah, it. Yeah. You have to put it in the shells. Yeah. So he's out of shells and he's like, uh, shot this guy in the leg but he's of course still alive and they will keep coming after him so he pins him to the wall with the shotgun takes a shell reloads it as he has him pinned to the wall and then finally shoots him <laughs> it's it's just this weird brutal stuff that it's just fun to watch if you're just an action aff- uh, aficionado and I, I had a lot of fun with it so oh man it does sound it does sound pretty cool mm. uh <laughs> yeah, uh, unfortunately, going to the movies is so expensive. I might have to wait yeah. until on cable someplace or or whatever. Yeah, that is the unfortunate part. Going to the movies is really my escape. Like, if I have some free time, and you know, some a lot of times when I have free time, a lot of my friends don't. <laughs> so ah. I'll I'll just like I gotten into the habit of just going to the movies by myself, 
and it's not it's it's actually very relaxing going yeah, to the movie. It really is. Itself. Like I get a nice big thing of popcorn, some soda, sit down and get really get comfortable comfortable and watch a movie. And I'm actually thinking if I have some free time uh, tonight, uh, the day I'm recording this, which is uh, Saturday, uh, for you guys watching this uh, non patrons, um, I'm planning on going to see Get Out. Oh, I heard that was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I'm not really much of a horror person. Uh, like, horror movies, they just don't sit well with me, so I'll probably skip it. But mm. every, I think it's got a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes at the moment, yeah, which it, is nearly unheard of. I think only, like, three or four other movies have ever done that in yeah. the past, like, five years. Yeah, so. where they maintained 100% up, up to 100 reviews, which, yeah, that's crazy. And, yeah. yeah, I've heard great things. And I'm also, like... I don't watch scary movies that much or even thrillers that much just because my friends for the longest time just weren't into those types of movies. So I just never went. Uh, but now that I'm on my whole kick of going by myself, I'm like, you know what? Let's go uh, get tense <laughs> and watch this thing. Because this de- definitely seems like one of those movies where you're going to be like, oh, God. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it looks super eerie from what I've done. I did, since I knew I wasn't going to go and watch it, I did read a plot synopsis and... Like, whoa. <laughs> I'm excited. So hopefully, hopefully I'll get to see that in next podcast. I'll be able to talk about that and uh, see how that goes. But for now, what do you say we get to the uh, news for this week? Uh, sure. All right. Well, first up, uh, we found out that the virtual console is not going to be ready for the Switch's launch. However, to make up for that, Shovel Knight and Fast RMX will be launch titles. So, so- yeah. Go for it. <laughs> I wasn't super surprised that the Virtual Console wasn't ready for the Switch's launch, because if you remember back to the Wii U and the 3DS, well, the 3DS, the eShop wasn't even ready for like three months, if oh, I wow. remember correctly. It was it was a long time. Uh, and like the Wii U, the Wii U didn't have the Virtual Console on launch. So it's not a huge surprise. What kind of fills me more with hope, though, is, is that news that your purchases are now tied to your account instead of to your system. So I'm crossing my fingers and praying that that means that at least that at least the, our purchases that were on Wii U and 3DS can eventually be transferred over to the Switch. I'm mm. I'm, I'm praying that that's the case. Yeah, I'm um, hoping that too. Like, like it's on the Nintendo account. We're linking it because you claimed your name at this point already, right? For the Switch. Yes, I made sure. Yeah. I made sure to do that. Somebody is on <laughs> off topic on that. Somebody claimed Game Explain before we could get a hold of it, like for Andre's uh, jerks. I mean, I got mine. I got my usual Bitner GX. Ash got his. Well, he couldn't get Ash GX because of the limit, so he had to go with his combine his like Neogaf thing, which is Maverick Hunter Ash, and so he made it Maverick Hunter Ash GX. <laughs> um, <laughs> and Andre, of course, was going to go for Game Explain. Couldn't do it. Because it was already claimed, and so he had to go with his Andre GX type thing. And the funny thing ah. is, we found somebody on I think GameFAQs like the uh, their forums. Somebody's claiming like, "Yay, I grabbed G- uh, Game Explains things." Like you jerk, <laughs> you like, uh, <laughs> like, and uh, that is a, that is a very common problem for big YouTubers, you know. Yeah, uh, because people want to be the. Markiplier yeah. or whatever, or, even if they're not actually Markiplier. Yeah, I saw uh, Jay Witz had the same thing where somebody already claimed the Jay Witz, so he has to go as just Jay Witz. So, ah. yeah, so ah. it's just it's just one of those things. It's it's unfortunate, but yeah, back to Virtual Console. <laughs> eh, yeah, that's my that's my my two hopes are is that one we can transfer Virtual Console purchases up. I'm really hoping that's the case. I'm not confident that that will be the case. I think it's kind of a coin flip at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, my other hope is is that 
Well, we're obviously we're obviously still going to get the Nintendo drip feed for the Virtual Console because that's just like death and taxes at this point. Um, <laughs> I'm hoping that the drip feed at least kind of starts off not as a drip. Like I hope that they put a lot more at the beginning because we don't. It doesn't need to be a big deal that Super Mario 64 is on the Virtual Console. We know that that's going to be on the Virtual Console. It's always mm. on the Virtual Console, so you don't need to release Super Mario 64 two years in. You know, yeah. so. I get why they do it, because if you dump everything all at once, you're not going to get the impulse sales that people will have if they see, oh, Super Mario RPG is up. I love that game. I'm going to buy it. Whereas if it's just on the list, they'd have to be in the mood to play Super Mario RPG and be in the mood to buy it for their Switch, and they'd have to search for it. it it's it, I get why they do it from a business perspective, but it's annoying. And those are my two big hopes for the Virtual Console come to Switch. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah, it's it's definitely helpful, at least. Like, I'm not sure if I would have transferred it up to, by this point, but it, it definitely seems from the Switch forward we'll be able to keep at least keep our games that we download, which, thank God, that's great to have. And not having the, Switch, the virtual console at launch, I'm okay with. That is not a huge deal to me because I'm going to be playing Zelda, Bomberman, Shovel Knight, um, just, you know, a ton of these different uh, uh, launch titles that are actually, like, it's amazing how much the switch's lo- uh, lineup has expanded since that since that initial presentation yeah like specter of torment's a launch title and not only that you can only play specter of torment right away on the switch like i wasn't initially sure if i was going to get specter of torment or shovel knight in general on the switch but yeah i'm going <laughs> to i don't want to it's actually day 1's going to be kind of kind of odd for me because i'm going to want to play bomberman Mm-hmm. Gonna want to play Shovel Knight, and I'm gonna want to play Zelda. And <laughs> what do you, know, you play? <laughs> not, yeah, what do you play? I'm not. I'm not sure. I think I do know what I want to do, but um, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's, I'm gonna be super distracted, and it's gonna be. It's gonna be. You know, that was one thing I never really got is that people said that the Switch's lineup was kind of anemic. And I mean, granted, there aren't 50 games available for it, like at the at the start, but. The pickings we have here are much, 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 much better mm-hmm. than, like, what we got for the Wii U or the 3DS come their launches. Like, I mean, if you don't like Zelda, for instance, which is the big game for the Switch, there's probably at least one or two other games that you would enjoy on it. I mean, granted, it to- I totally understand people waiting for, like, the other big killer app, which is going to be Mario Odyssey. You yeah. know, because waiting on a launch is, you know, it's not a bad decision by any means, because... You know, you get the system and suddenly there's 12 games you can play right out of the box. <laughs> yeah. um, but it never really... I always kind of felt like the 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 complaint that the Switch's launch felt anemic was a little bit... Like, I don't know, it seemed a little bit forced. Like, there there's like a good five or six games that I would definitely play right now. Which I think is, in like, in practice, a less anemic launch than the Wii U. Which launched with like 15, 16 games... But out of all of them, like, who goes back to play Nintendo Land or <laughs> Mario U at this point, you yeah. know? So or Zombie U or whatever zombie else U or, came out. Or Batman Arkham City Armored Edition. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's everyone's favorite version of that game. Oh, yeah, uh, of course. No, that, that, that's the thing here about the, the Switch lineup. It's weird, especially, you know, been covering the Wii U and the 3DS so much. You know, it's been very easy to just go game to game to game to game. With this, it's like, oh god! All of a sudden, there's four games like I want to play right away. What do I do? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. 
Uh. So, I mean, yeah, it, I don't. That's why I don't mind the Virtual Console not being there because let's be honest, everybody's gonna be playing Zelda. Everybody, everybody. Much. Like you're not even you, super you, into Zelda, and you're gonna be playing Zelda. <laughs> yeah, probably because the game just looks really, really good. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, everybody wants to have Super Mario Brothers three on their on their Switch, but like. Do you really need to play Super Mario Brothers three again right as soon as you open it out of the box? Mm-hmm. Is my question. Like, yeah, come on, you can already play Super Mario Brothers three on your toaster. You don't <laughs> need it on your Switch day one. Yeah, as much as you would like to have the option, it'll be there eventually. I don't think people need to stress about it too much right nah, now not at all. And having Shovel Knight, especially you know, I'll pick up the Treasure Trove that way. I have all of it just right on the Switch. Um, you know, because I have it, I have I have uh, Shovel Knight on Wii U, but I actually was gifted that copy by Tom uh, when it first came out because he had an extra code, and that's how I played Initial Shovel Knight. So I've actually, you know, I always talk about I wouldn't want to give Shovel Knight money. I'm serious. I want to give Shovel Knight money because I have never given him money, and now with the Switch, this is my opportunity to finally get them stuff like pay for the treasure trove be able to enjoy the original shovel you know sh- uh what is it shovel of hope specter of torment and plague of shadows right off the, right uh, out of the bat for the record specter of torment looks amazing mm-hmm. uh like man that game i loved um oh what's this called uh plague of shadows was an amazing campaign i liked it a lot but specter of torment seems to be scratching my itches a little bit better if mm-hmm. that makes sense it seems more straightforward, uh, for one thing. You know, not that um, the original uh, Spectre... Sorry. Not that Plague <laughs> of Shadows was, like, so complex that you couldn't get into it, but there definitely were a lot more mechanics that you had to learn. And at first, it's it's unwieldy on purpose, which makes it satisfying once you finally get into it. From what I can tell, Spectre of Torment's kind of designed to make you feel as cool, like you're flying around all over the place and dashing and uh, scythe boarding and all that stuff like they they want you to feel that awesome a little bit more easily mm-hmm. which you know and i don't think that you'll be able to like completely break the game in the way that some plague of shadows speed runs break the game because if you've ever looked up a plague of shadows speed run you basically don't touch the ground for <laughs> most of the game that's awesome that's Really cool. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited for it, and I, I probably won't pick up Fast RMX, but I know a lot of people, like, if they have an F-Zero itch, this is the game to get. I've heard good things about Fast RMX as well. Um, really, when it comes to racing games, uh, I'm mostly just going to be waiting for Mario Kart, though, but I'm really happy that the game did well enough to get... Um, can you correct me? Is Fast RMX a sequel or a port of the Wii U game? Sequel. Sequel? Okay, yeah, so I'm really glad that people who like that game are getting a full sequel day one on the Switch. Yeah, so. it's really cool, and people, like, the big thing I heard about Fast, Fast Racing Neo is that it was really good, but also devastatingly hard, so... Good. That's that's F-Zero in a nutshell, pretty yep, much. <laughs> pretty much, but yeah. that's not the only game we heard about as a launch title for the Switch, as they just recently revealed that Snipperclips is a launch title as well, which is so smart, it is so smart uh, to have a, just a co-op game like that ready off right out of the bat. Uh, the only thing that sucks, at least for us, is that the U.S. doesn't seem to be getting what Europe, what Europe and Japan is getting, which is a Joy-Con bundle where you get you know a set of Joy-Con controllers, the the neon ones, and along with this you know along with snipper clips, which is so smart. It's basically what they did for um, oh, what was it? We we, we play. play yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. Um, 
Like, I really like, uh, I really, I'm actually pretty excited for a Snipper Clips. It looks like a really fun game. Uh, me and my friend Catherine are probably going to play, uh, play it, uh, co-op together. And it's just, it looks hilarious. Like, mm-hmm. all of the physics junk that you can do. It just, it looks really cute and fun. And, you know, I think it was always said to be March. So I figured, okay, that'll be a download title two or three weeks in. The fact that it is a day one title, I think, again, it really helps that, that day one launch lineup where it's just like, okay... You know, the launch window, you don't have to wait even for a game like this. It's just right out of the box, and it's a co-op experience. Like, if you've got a friend who's not into Bomberman, you've got another co-op option with you right away, which is Snipperclips. Mm -hmm. And it just, it is a great idea, although it is a shame that there's no Joy-Con option, the no Joy-Con bundle option, although I don't ever really see myself buying extra Joy-Cons. I really only see myself Sticking with the initial set, yeah. Yeah, like, if I buy anything for it it would probably be um i'd probably buy extra pro controllers for like if i've got friends over to play um smash, smash brothers Kart, or whatever <laughs> yeah those kinds of things like if i if that's why i would probably go for pro controllers with that but mm-hmm. you know I, I think it is smart if they do have more games like arms or whatever that use the joy cons in specific ways yeah. then it probably then maybe i would go for it and maybe I would like buy an extra pair of Joy Cons for the Snipper Clips code, yeah. for instance. Yeah, because that's the thing. You, uh, like that'd be really smart, also with Arms to have a bundle with Joy Con, just because they, uh, you know, you need two sets of Joy Cons to do multiplayer in that game, at least yeah. in the traditional way. Uh, when yeah. I and when I say traditional, I mean actually punching. <laughs> yeah, the the way that the Nintendo wants you to play the game. Yeah. So so it, that makes sense. So you know, I don't know if I'll pick one up or not because um, as far as another set of Joy Cons, because I'm like you, I don't have the opportunity to play with friends too often. So we'll see how it all ends up. Usually, I can just get away with a set of controllers and online, and I'm good to go. So we'll see. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So. Yeah, but. yeah. So I'm I'm glad it's a day one purchase, day one option. I'm not sure if I'll get it day one because again I've got Bomberman <laughs> yeah. and Shovel Knight and Zelda and whatnot yeah. to play. But oh, you know I, totally I won't agree. have to wait. Yeah, when you're ready, you're ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, speaking of the Joy-Con, uh, we also found out that there seems to be a disconnection issue or like a some sort of issue with it where it has trouble. Uh, basically interacting with the Switch console and reading what you're inputting. And Andre actually went the extra step to try to figure out why this was happening to some people. And it seems to be that if it gets covered up by your body, uh, it weakens the Bluetooth signal. And they, they basically, the way to fix this, hopefully, is if Nintendo can find a way to boost the Bluetooth signal, that way it can actually get through like your hand, your arm. And the way I see I might have been happening to some reviewers, depending on how they played, is they just had the Joy-Con separate, they had their legs up, and they weren't able to, the Joy-Cons weren't able to get through your legs as okay. you're playing. And it, it makes sense, and hopefully Nintendo ha- finds a way to fix it. They're already saying that they're looking into a way to fix it, but the basically the trade-off is going to be if you're going to increase the output of these Bluetooths uh, so they're more powerful, you're going to lessen the battery life of the Joy-Con. But considering the battery life, I think, is, what, 20 hours? I'm okay with sacrificing some battery life. <laughs> well, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on that because you have to buy a separate grip in order to play the Joy-Cons while they're charging. 
is mm-hmm. is the thing. Like you have to buy the Joy-Con charging grip, which doesn't come with the console. It comes with the standard Joy-Con grip, which is really just a piece of plastic that holds the Joy Cons together. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me. Like I just got to make sure that I'm not hiding the Joy Cons behind my back while I'm playing, and that's <laughs> even if I find myself playing with the Joy Cons separate too much. I don't know how much I'm going to do that. Um, I'm not sure. Thankfully, for games where motion is a big deal, which is probably one of the main reasons why you'll have them disconnected in the first place, thankfully, it seems like uh, that the disconnect won't be as much of an issue because you're going to be moving them around. That's going to be in front of your body. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to be blocking the signal too much that way. So you won't have random disconnects playing arms, for instance, which is good because if it disconnected in one of those kind of games, it would be a big issue. Yeah, absolutely. So... so- we good. Yeah, yeah. So it, it seems like it's gonna be manageable, which is great. But um, like I don't know, it it kind of points to something where it feels like some of the stuff for the Switch wasn't ready by the time they launched it, which is surprising considering that it got delayed till March to sort of fix those issues. I'm I'm wondering even if you can boost the Bluetooth signal with like a firmware or a software patch. I like I'm I'm not a tech no person. Idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not a tech. I don't know if that's even possible. Um, Me neither. So maybe I mean, like I said, it's it's not going to be a huge issue at the very least. Maybe they'll release Joy Cons down the road that have a bigger signal. Again, pain in the butt that you have to do that. They have to do that. You got to get screwed, but. Who knows? We'll we'll see what Nintendo comes up with. But for now, at least we know the problem, so we can avoid it. Yeah, that's that's the important thing. Is is that we know what the issue is, so we can we can kind of deal with it a little bit easier now. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. we'll see. But hey, if I have if you have issues, you can just adjust your position. And so yeah, it was really funny because uh, Andre was I forget where he told this story at, but he was talking about like his friend came over to try it out and he disconnected the Joy Cons and was like basically stretching out his arms behind his back. Or not even behind his back, but like you know how you sort of spread out your arms on a couch and just go along the entire back end of it? Basically yeah. doing that with the Joy Cons and just sitting like that playing completely normally on uh Zelda. So, because because you, you know it was kind of comfy, like on the 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 Wii, having the the remote and uh, nunchuck just in weird positions because you could just get comfy like that. Now you can just you're not connected by that cord, so you can do whatever position you want. <laughs> yeah, but it does kind of lessen the luxury factor when you have to remember. Oh, yeah, I have to make sure that I'm not. Like, yeah. hiding it all the way behind my couch cushions, because then I'm not going to be able to... to <laughs> it's not going to be able to read my signal. Yeah. So. so That is one of the things about the Joy-Cons that I'm actually interested in trying out, is how weird is it going to be playing a traditional console game like Zelda with the controllers separate? Like, <laughs> like it's yeah. it's natural for playing like games like Mario Galaxy for me by this point, but it's going to be weird playing a more traditional game with the controller separate and not held by any sort of wire at all. It's going to be, it's going to be bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting to see just how comfortable that is and just maintaining it. Just, I, I really want to go hands on with the thing, but hasn't happened yet. <laughs> so, uh, one week, dude, one week, one week, we can do this. We can do this. Yeah. Um, well, the next bit of news going off of Switch, uh, getting away from Switch, I should say, is that Yoshinori Kitase has said that the FF Final Fantasy VII Remake, uh, the voice acting in it, is nearly complete. Now, we don't know whether they mean just the Japanese version or exact, or if it's just like 
a first episode of the Final Fantasy VII remake is complete or the whole thing. If I had to guess, it's probably just the first episode. Probably, yeah. So, I mean, it's good that they're making progress, but... Square, you got to stop announcing these projects so early. (laughs) I I don't think we see the Final Fantasy VII remake until 2020. That's my that's my that's my guess. If I'm wrong, you know, I'd be happy to be wrong because um actually a year ago almost exactly like the first game of 2016 I played was Final Fantasy 7 on the PC mm-hmm. and I loved it. Like I that was a game where people were like this is one of the best RPGs of all time and I was like sure sure it is. <laughs> and like I played it and I was like yeah, I get why people think this is one of the best RPGs of all time. It's a fantastic game. Not my favorite Final Fantasy. That goes to Final Fantasy IV, but it's still a fantastic game. With that said, as much as I would like to be wrong on this, I don't think the game comes out until 2020, even Episode One, because this is Square Enix, and they take forever to do everything. <laughs> what, Kingdom, Kingdom Hearts 3 was announced, what, 2011, 2012? Uh, I, you know, I mentioned the 13 versus 13 slash Final Fantasy 15 development <laughs> cycle. Anybody? The yeah. game's not coming out anytime soon. That's that's for sure. Yeah, the, the issue, the you know, the common issue with all those is it's Nomura. Nomura is such a, I guess, maybe for perfectionist or something like that, or just can't seal the deal. It just takes forever for certain things to come out. And yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, that gets fixed because. I, I am interested in this FF7 remake. I'm very curious. Like, I don't think it's going to... It's not going to replace the original in my mind, but I think it's going to be a very interesting reinterpretation of it. It's not going to play anything like the original, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. Like, the gameplay is probably going to be 100% different. Maybe not 100%, but it's not going to... It's not going to be a remake in the same way that... Uh, hold on, I'm trying to think of a... Final Fantasy IV DS. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be even, even like that, where that, like... The most changes you get in that remake is like, oh, this boss has a slightly different strategy. Oh, this stat curve is slightly different. Now, like, the fundamental controls and gameplay of the Final Fantasy VII remake is going to be vastly different. Mm-hmm. So there, it's not going to. You're right. It's not going to replace the PlayStation original. But at the same time, a Final Fantasy VII remake is a game that people have been clamoring for since like the mid 2000s i think really like when people, yeah. like when the when the advanced sports started coming out it's just like oh there's this final fantasy 4 5 and 6 remake oh you remade 3 on the ds where's our final fantasy 7 remake and it's just <laughs> you know it's the game that people have been wanting for years and so mm-hmm. there's obviously a lot of expectations that comes with that yeah now I one of the, before we move on from this, there is one thing that Katase did did say uh, that made me kind of hopeful about this whole project. And he said he says fans may have the image of the cloud from Final Fantasy VII Advent Children, but since this is the, the prime the prime cloud from before Advent Children, the performance may feel fresh. And I'm like, oh please, God, tell me that we have Goofy Cloud back <laughs> because. Cla- Oh, uh, God, Advent Children ruined Cloud's character. Uh, it, the frustrating thing was is that I actually really liked Cloud when I played the game, and I didn't expect to. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, the the kind of stereotype is, oh, my past is so tragic, <laughs> oh, Eris is dead, even though I've got a really hot, big-boobed best friend with <laughs> Tifa here to console me and make out with, oh, I really miss Eris, oh, oh. And he's not like that at all. He completely defied my expectations, where he started off as kind of a jerk, mm-hmm. and he, I grew to like him a lot over the course of the game, and I really felt sorry for him. Like, I felt really bad 
once you found out that, like, um, his entire past was a lie, and, like, and one thing, I was really happy when I saw that flashback where, like, you realized that Cloud, like, you knew that Zack wasn't, that Cloud was Zack, but you didn't know that Cloud was just the soldier with the helmet on, mm-hmm. and that made me, I was just like, oh, Cloud, you're gonna do stuff, and, like, I got really pumped up when I found that out. Yeah, and so and then Cloud has that big moment against Sephiroth during that flashback. I remember the first time I saw that, I'm like, oh, hell yes, I was, I was pumped for that moment to see Cloud gets stabbed through the stomach, pick up the sword with Sephiroth attached, like still holding on to it, and toss him into the Mako reactor. Like, <laughs> that is awesome! <laughs> I actually, if I remember correctly, you were the one who actually told me that the scene, if you go back to the the mansion where Vincent is, you find mm. Vincent, Niflheim? That's the name of the, yeah. the town? Yeah, yeah. Niflheim, yeah. It, you, you go back there after the whole, like, mind warpy section, and you get the flashback where you see them kind of flesh out Zack and Cloud's relationship. And that was really, really cool for me. Like, I didn't know that you could even do that when I played the game. And then, like, I see that and I was like, whoa, this is a really, really awesome sequence. It's a major sequence. It's completely missable. It's crazy. (laughs) And, you know, I'm just, I'm looking at it and it's just like, okay, I think I get why people actually like (laughs) Crisis Core. No, Crisis Core is excellent. If you you find some way to play it, I I highly recommend it. Crisis Core does very well just fitting right into, into right before seven uh i actually do have a psp because um i i do have a psp because i tried to play persona 3 portable on it back mm. when i was first getting into uh shimigami tensei as a whole and i was just like okay persona seems to be the game that people talk the most about i'm gonna try it and i didn't end up really getting persona like i didn't persona ended up not being my thing so like i mean the thing's probably covered in dust and cobwebs somewhere in here, but <laughs> uh-huh. I could still I could still try it yeah. at this point. It's not a huge priority, mind, but still, like I'm glad that at least something out of the Final Fantasy VII compilation ended up being decent because yeah. I know we've got like Advent Children and Dirt of Cerberus and <laughs> all this other garbage. Yeah. So <laughs> the, all, the only things you need to concern yourself with the compilation is Crisis Core. <laughs> That's yeah, pretty much it because Crisis Core, you know, is a prequel. It uh, leads right to be right to the beginning of FF Seven. Um, it, it's it's very good in that way, and it really shows why Zack is such a likable character. And I I'll be shocked if they don't like make sure that char- that that players can't miss that flashback with Cloud and Zack in the FF Seven remake. Yeah, no, they're they're gonna make that more. They're gonna make that like a big like a big story beat if they mm-hmm. um if they. Like if the if the game ever comes that far, because considering the production timeline, if episode one, if I'm right, and episode one comes out in 2020, we're not going to get to that Zack sequence by like <laughs> 2030. <laughs> yeah, my only hope is that there's like working ahead and getting all the basics down, hopefully, or something to well, that effect. If they've got an engine working, then it's going to take less time to make every subsequent entry. But still, mm-hmm. like if they're being this picky about it now, I can't imagine what they're gonna. Like, you know that they're freaking out about having to redo the whole Eris death scene again. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, personally, you say in 2020, I'm going to be a little bit more hopeful and say 2018, but we'll see. <laughs> uh, you can think that if you, if you want. <laughs> I try to stay hopeful. <laughs> uh, and it, it's cute. <laughs> yeah, I know. Anyway, uh, uh, our last bit of news this week uh, is about something, like, I actually picked this before I knew you were going to be joining us this t- uh, for this uh, podcast. Uh 
a trailer has finally come out on Dragon Quest Heroes 2. And this Thank is the Christ. Yeah, this is the first time I've really seen anything of what Dragon Quest Heroes 2 has to offer. And I knew it had co-op, but in addition, something I had no idea that you could do is you could uh, change out your main character's class as well as go on four-person online raids. And I'm like, that is cool. Like, I, I really want to do that. <laughs> Uh, I knew that you could change the class, but the online the online raids is that's something I didn't know about at all. Like, um, it's it's weird. Like, I love um, I love Dragon Quest Heroes. Uh, I've been doing a playthrough of it on my channel right now with my friend Catherine. Plug 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 plug. Um, <laughs> and it's a it's a great game. We're having a lot of fun. Uh, but I actually knew very little about what was going on with the sequel because it's just they. Well, obviously, it's not out in the States yet, uh, but also it's just there was less information about it. So I knew a decent amount about what Heroes 1 was like before I played Heroes 1, but Heroes 2, nearly everything about it, except for, like, what characters are in the game, is, like, completely uh, alien to me. I have no idea what's going on with so many aspects of that game, and it's going to be awesome playing it yeah so. especially because it seems to be an open interconnected world this time around too rather i don't than know stages. how that w- how does that work in a muso game i have like, no idea that's what's crazy it's basically taking the guts of a dragon quest of the of a dragon quest game which they already kind of did for the original one and just slapping muso on top of it. it's like instead of random battles muso battles it's like okay I'm yeah cool it's with gonna this. It's going to be insane. Uh, that game is probably one of the ones that I'm most excited for. Um, and I'm really hoping that we do eventually get the... I get why we're not getting the 1 and 2 port on Switch right away. Because if you release Dragon Quest 1 and 2 on Switch around the same time that Dragon Quest 2 just on itself is being out on PS4, what version do you think you're going to buy for the same price? The one with 1 games or the one with 2? Mm-hmm. You know, that just makes sense. It's kind of just a victim of unfortunate timing in that regard. But, like, Dragon Quest Heroes 2 looks like it's going to be a ton of fun. I'm really excited about the characters that they're adding in there, because um, I I don't know how many people who listen to this play Dragon Quest, but Dragon Quest Heroes 1 had uh, Maya, who was one of the sisters from Dragon Quest Quest 4, but it was just Maya. Her sister, Mina, was not in the game at all, which always felt a little bit weird. Like, I know she's the more popular one. For if if you look up Maya and Mina Dragon Quest, you'll be able to tell which one is the more popular one and why she's the more popular one. <laughs> but it, you know they're they're sisters; they're part of a pair. You'd expect yeah. to have both of them. So the fact that Mina's going to be playable is going to be fantastic. Also, Torneko, who is the best, he's the best character. Tor- uh, yeah, Torneko is also a very popular character in Japan. Like he got his uh, own spinoff and everything. <laughs> yeah, he got his own Mystery Dungeon spinoff. Um, for people who don't know Dragon Quest, uh, the, one of the most popular Dragon Quest characters is a middle-aged fat man who tries <laughs> to run a shop, and it's he's he's hilarious. If you if you've looked up any of his combat, it's 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 a riot. You need to you need to mm. check it out. And, and Dragon Quest Eleven has basically has a Torneco like character in its party, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, man. Yeah, but I, that I'm, game looks so good. Uh. It does. And, I, you know, I really do hope that one Dragon Quest Heroes 1 and 2 does come to the Switch in the U.S. eventually. Just because the value of that game is incredible. Oh, sure. Just like you thought there was a ton of content and Hyrule Warriors. Just it's like put two Hyrule Warriors in the same game, or in the same well, box and putting it there. Well, considering I'm just trying to think, like you probably... 
considering that like I've got like probably 500 hours on Hyrule Warriors Legends with that game and its DLC, you probably would. It's still a tremendous value mind, but mm-hmm. maybe not like it's still hundreds of like at least 100, 200 hours. Depending on, I don't know how expansive Hyrule Warrior, no, Hyrule Warriors. <laughs> I don't know how expansive Dragon Quest Heroes Two is, but Dragon Quest Heroes One is very expansive. Uh, but probably not as expansive as a fully expanded Hyrule Warriors. So, true, true. So, but still, like, come on, we're comparing 300 hours to 200 hours. Like, come on. <laughs> it's, exactly. still a tremend- it's still a tremendous value. It's still going to be awesome. And I, it just, if we get it, it brings so much hope to the other Dragon Quest stuff with, that we might get. Like, uh, Dragon Quest Joker professional three um mm-hmm. uh, dragon quest 10 11 please and you know this is kind of a shot on the dark since this game's like three four years old in japan but the monsters one and two remakes on 3ds i would still like to get those mm. on uh, over here that's the least likely one because again that's a really really old game yeah but it would be nice if we did get it so come on please I, I'm, I'm definitely hopeful because dragon quest has gotten a lot more of the uh localizations lately and yeah. please just keep it coming that's all I asked for. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, because Dragon Quest Eight just came out as well on 3DS. Yes. Um, so. And I'm actually, I'm really close to 100%ing that game. Nice. Uh, as well. Um, I kind of don't want to go too deep into my thoughts. Oh, no, no. Yet, we'll be here I forever have... if you go into your thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Also, Catherine would kill me because I did the discussion with that. With yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. But still, that's going to be... It's a game that I have a lot to say about, and I'll leave it at that. Okay, cool. Well, that is all the news for this week, so let's go ahead and jump into our topics. And as always, uh, for just $1 a month, you guys can support us on Patreon and get these podcasts three days early, late this week, so sorry about that. Um, But as well as offer up uh, topics for us to answer and you know unfortunately we couldn't go for the ash or andre specific ones but i think we still found some good ones and we picked two each so uh ted did you want to go first with one of yours uh sure so hold on a minute so i can get it uh okay <laughs> so one of my topics from brian uh he asked what console games from the past would you have played more if you had the ability to take them on the go like you can now with the switch and that's that's actually really interesting because I'm thinking about all the games like I'm not sure if I necessarily would play them more if I had the ability to play them on the go but like I'm thinking about games that I have already played hundreds of hours of and like if I had the ability to take them with me wherever I go like I would just never stop playing them. One of the first things that comes to mind is the original Paper Mario on the N64. I love that game. That was one of the first that was one of the first games I really, really like adored as a kid. I played that nonstop. I'd probably beaten it forty plus times. If they they're probably gonna do an N sixty four virtual console. Once Paper Mario comes out on the Switch virtual console, I will be able to play that literally anywhere I want. And the fact <laughs> that I can do that blows that's gonna blow eight year old me. That's going to blow eight-year-old me's mind, I think, to be able to play Paper Mario wherever I want. Yeah. You know, like, I couldn't have imagined that when I was eight years old. And being able to do it now, like, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of other games that I would have played more or maybe have had more time for if I could take them with me. Uh, actually, you want to know one? one? Uh, Pokemon Coliseum uh, oh. for the GameCube. Uh, that was a game... Like, I loved playing Pokemon as a kid, obviously. Um, and I played Pokemon a lot. But Pokemon Coliseum was kind of a weird game in that I played it with my friends, with one of my friends at her house a lot. But 
we well unfortunately we we were never able to get a completed save file because our disc had a scratch on the credits oh, no. so the game would never finish the credits and thus never save our completed progress it sucked <laughs> um <laughs> but like i kind of have looking back i have a lot of issues with that game but maybe i would have looked more fondly on it if i could have played it the way i played sapphire and gold and silver and uh Red and Blue, where I didn't play it in her basement, like, in the dark, and could only play, like, maybe an hour a day before I had to go home. Like, if I could play that, like, at school during, like, during recess, or, um, like, with friends, or whatever, like, with friends in the park, or whatever. Like, Mm -hmm. if I could have played that on the go, and it felt more Pokemon that way, because it's weird, even though it's a console Pokemon game, it feels kind of less substantial than the handheld ones mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. If you have you ever played any no, of the Pokemon? I haven't played it, but I've I've seen Emil's playthrough of I think um, uh, Gale of Darkness. So I, I know okay. what you're talking about. How it feels. I haven't actually way. played Gale of Darkness. I only played the original Colosseum. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and like looking back, I don't look very fondly on that game (laughs) too much but you know uh, really what it did was it got me to play leaf green a a heck of a lot more uh (laughs) because i played my leaf green copy endlessly around that time the time that that game came out so no that's yeah that's that's those are good ones uh for me it's it's weird like rpgs are my big one like having the time to be able like i like either i have to be in the mood to sit down and at the tv and play the rpg there or I don't really like. I want to be comfortable sitting in my chair playing this RPG rather than laying in bed or whatever. And I just I can never get comfortable in my chair playing a, a 3DS, my 3DS for whatever reason. But I can get comfortable when I'm playing a control, like a like a controller. I think it's because my neck's always down uh, when I'm doing that. So I like having my sort of neck level. That's why I like to lay in bed when I play my 3DS. Yeah, um, I like the I like the couch personally when I'm yeah. playing on the 3DS. Yeah, you just like to have it sort of level, and I. Uh, I think that's like being able to just like, oh, what, how do I feel like actually playing this RPG right now and doing it in that way would help tremendously. And I'm, I'm, I think that's one thing I'm looking forward to. So like, you know, on for portables, it'd be uh, Bravely Default being able to play those on like on the TV. That'd be cool. But also oh, yeah. being taking something like a console RPG and taking it on the go. Also really cool. Like going back and forth. That is a very it's a great potential especially trips like whenever i have to fly out to la uh for e3 that's a long trip so it's, oh for sure it's gonna be nice to have the switch and just play some games set up nice and comfortable have my 3ds there too is in case the batteries on the switch dies uh yeah um, that kind of thing but you know like i'm just imagining being able to play like game like tales of symphonia mm-hmm. on on the go like that's like, I don't think even 10 years ago, people would have thought that that was possible. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I think that's what, like, to, you could do totally do that with the GameCube Virtual Console, if that's real. Please let that be real. <laughs> I hope I hope it's real, especially because that will be the best version to get Tales of Symphonia of. Mm-hmm. Because apparently the... I didn't actually... I did get the HD version of Tales of Symphonia. I only played, like, an hour or two of it. I didn't notice it being that bad. Apparently it runs worse somehow i'm not sure how i you'd have to talk to somebody who knows more about it what i have heard is that the pc version of tales of symphonia is awful oh geez. so yeah um <laughs> yeah that's yeah a... so maybe not go for that one yeah uh, maybe not I'm trying to think if there's any other games i'd be able to play a lot more of if i was able to take it on the go i mean just really anything in general just being able to continue playing it is i mean it really is a game changer depending on what it is and 
I mean, porting stuff to the Switch and being able to play it on the go is not a bad idea. I mean, it's not as major for something like Skyrim because, you know, you just take it on a laptop or whatever. But still, it's smaller than a laptop, so it's almost like being able to play Skyrim on a tablet and being able to take it wherever you want, wherever you want to go. Uh, yeah. That kind of thing. And you so. also get the, the luxury of a... Of a real-ish controller with the Joy-Cons. Yes. I, not that they're not real, but, like, a more traditional controller with the Joy-Cons instead of having to play. Like, you could take your... Like, theoretically, you could take your computer on the go and play N64 games on a on a uh, emulator, but, mm. like, you're not going to be able to... You're going to have to clunkily deal with, like, bringing an Xbox controller with you or something. Yeah. Like, it's very simple, and you don't have to deal with the, the muss and fuss of all that other... Uh, yeah. stuff i will so. say i will never bring me like i've you know bring my laptop with me for these trips i have never brought them out to the order to play something just because my laptop for the fact the uses i need of it is huge this thing is a monster and i it's just i'd take up the entire thing there'd be no space uh, on like a plane i'd be like had a space for myself so yeah the switch works better for me in the terms of portable gaming high-end stuff like Breath of the Wild or Skyrim. So, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I really can't wait to try it out. I just hope that the battery life isn't... I hope that the battery life for games, like, non-Zelda-like games... Like, I'm hoping I'll be able to play Bomberman for five hours. Yeah. That's my hope. I mean, like, seeing Nintendo say, like, you'll get two and a half hours out of Breath of the Wild, and we did that test, and at the harshest settings, it hit two and a half hours. So, like, so if it, you lessen those up those settings a bit, we could probably squeeze out just a little bit more out of it. But also, if they're saying you could get six hours from a game that's not as intensive, now it's hard to say how not intensive they're talking about, but I, I definitely think it's possible that we could easily sh- uh, play Bomberman or Shovel Knight for five, six hours, which is more than enough for most plane rides. Yeah, or like I'm guessing whenever we do get the virtual console, I'm sure that Super Mario Brothers is oh, going to yeah. <laughs> eat up your battery life, probably. <laughs> you <know>? Probably not. <laughs> so you'll probably be able to play. like That's actually, I think, one of the best things about it is that uh, virtual console. Being able to take, like, I mean, it was great to be able, to, it's great to be able to play games like, uh, like Super Mario Brothers 3 or Link to the Past or, you know, but it's going to feel a lot better, I think, playing it on the Switch than on the 3DS, mm. just because it's going to feel more like you're, like, uh, people really value that bigger screen, oh, I yeah. think, as well. And also just being able to control it however you want, like, you could put it on a table and play with the Joy-Cons separately i think we're going to see a i think if they handle the release right i think the virtual console might be bigger on switch than it ever has been so like, i think it has that potential but they again they need to handle it right and not do that damn drip drip, drip feed excuse me yeah uh, so <laughs> yeah we'll, yeah we'll see. at least not as bad you know like yeah. you, you have to expect some drip dripping but like if they if they had like uh, i'm trying to think of a good example if they had like Earthbound on it day one or whatever that would get a, a lot of people just to buy it instantly just off of that mm-hmm. <laughs> or something you know yeah or you know or just having several good releases like ah here are Super Mario Brothers one two and three for this yeah for, you know you don't need to you don't need to hold off on Super Mario Brothers one two and three like <laughs> yeah, just we know we're getting them just give give them to us <laughs> exactly exactly um. Well, my uh, topic actually comes from I – mean, first topic, I should say, excuse me. Uh, it comes from C. Bomber, who says – or asks, in what unique ways do you guys want to see the features of the Joy-Cons used in the games for the Switch? Or would you rather them not use those features? And 
honestly, I don't. I I think it's good to have them use the features, but I think for most games, it's probably a good idea to not make them required for those like for those games. Uh, take Arms for example. Uh, it apparently it feels amazing to use like, like the punching controls with the actual controllers in that game. But if you really want to and you don't want it to do with those motion controls, you can play it normally, which I think is a great idea to not make the, make this these a requirement. And I'm thinking that the video Andre released today on four sequels he wants for the uh, the Switch, and damn him for putting uh, Samba the Amigo in my head because that, that was game a great is idea. so perfect for this. I disagree with every single entry on that list for the record, except for <laughs> Samba de Amigo. Samba de Amigo is a genius idea for the Switch, but like, come on, dude, Superstar 2. Like we've, had, <laughs> we've had three Kirby I, I, games since that are better than Superstar. Oh, sorry, I, I said a thing. I, would, I said a thing. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, you did. I, I would actually prefer a 3D Kirby. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Attempt that. Yeah. Finally make an attempt at that. I also saw a lot of people want an air, uh, Kirby Air Ride too. I could see that. I could see that. Kirby Air Ride was an okay game. I had my issues with it, but Mm -hmm. uh, I could see them. I could, I would be down to give it another shot for sure. Um, The thing I'm curious about is like what they plan to do. Like, you know how they have that uh, IR functionality in the right uh, Joy-Con. And I'm very curious, like it, it can recognize shapes. What would you use that for? Like I, when I first saw that, I was kind of wondering, so can you do it, use it to do IR pointing like how you could on the Wii? Because mm-hmm. that's kind of the thing that I think I'm going to miss the most Yeah, for, from the Wii remote is the IR pointing. Um, if you know anything about me, I love the Trauma Center games. Um, and I, th- I honestly think that the IR pointing for Trauma Center is one of the best uses of motion controls that we've got. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the fact that we've missed our chance for Trauma Center on the Wii U... You know, that that sucks. So I'm kind of hoping that they can use that camera to makeshift an IR pointer for the Switch and let me get a new trauma center. <laughs> that <laughs> that, that mean, would that, be nice. That is poten- that I think that does have potential because look at um, Skyward Sword. That does not use the IR pointer. It's all about the motion controls plus. Really? And, yeah. And, huh. you, and you had all that pointing and whatnot. It was all about, like, the positioning of it. So I do think that you could actually maybe have a trauma center using that that you know IR thing or maybe just motion regular motion in general. Oh oh okay so that's actually something that I'm really happy for. I'm guessing that, you know, better. Mm-hmm. The motion in the Joy-Cons is probably about as good as a motion plus. If I had to guess, because otherwise, like, why even bother? Yeah, exactly. And so it, now I, we can finally get games that use, like, we could finally get the sword fighting game without having, like, this gigantic Wii remote with this giant <laughs> dongle on the bottom, you yeah, know? Yeah, like, exactly. And, like, I, I, I'm really excited for the potential of HD Rumble. Like, some of the Amigo have, like, feeling the individual, like, beads that are part of Maracas. That'd be really cool. Trauma Center, like, feeling the little buzz from, like, lasers or whatever when you're fighting the weird virus stuff. Um, <laughs> sword fighting, actually having that reaction of the clang. Oh, yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Like, I'm not, like, it, it's hard to kind of imagine the HD Rumble without really feeling it. Because, yeah. like, I, I haven't had the opportunity to go to any Switch preview events and as far as I can tell, the only launch game that really takes advantage of HD Rumble is One Two Switch, which I'm not, and I'm not getting that. So, <laughs> yeah, um, I think that did they mention Splatoon would have HD Rumble support? Yes, right? they did. Uh, 
Okay, so yeah, so my first real taste of it's probably going to be during the test fire uh, late March. So, mm. yeah, yeah. Um, so that I think the HD Rumble is cool, but one one of the things I really do like about the Joy Cons is, is that one of the issues that we had was is that if you wanted a quote quotation marks normal control scheme, you had to buy the classic controller or yeah. use a GameCube controller. With the Joy-Con, you have the option to do weird motion-y stuff if you want, but you can just as easily play with traditional controls. So, mm-hmm. I, I, I like options. I think that you should have options for almost everything. Like, if you don't want to use bu- uh, motion controls for arms, I think you should have button controls. And I think that that's a smart move that they did that. So, yeah, just having the option... I think, you know, if you can come up with an option for a weird, wacky control scheme with the Joy-Cons... And you give me the also give me the option to use a normal control scheme if I don't like it. Do both. I think that's yeah. kind of there's no if as long as I've got the option for something different, there's no harm in giving me the other option. Exactly. I guess if that that, that's sense. pretty much how I feel. Like I don't mind having more options. I'll find which one works best for me and stick with that. Um, being forced to, being forced to use something and it does not work. That's when those controls sort of get in the way and that's like that's when you really start to feel the gimmickness of them it's like we're gonna we want you to use it in this way thanks but it doesn't work so eh. <laughs> yeah like arms could be complete trash with the motion controls but if it's the best fighting game i've ever played with button controls then it's the best fighting game i've ever played you know mm-hmm. like like you know you can technically play smash brothers with the wii mode on its side and it might suck doing that but it's still a fantastic fighting game when you play it another way so it's at the <laughs> yeah. end of the day it's it's as good as your options are for it to be good i guess is this is the sense like yeah. just how you can you can watch star wars in portuguese and not know what's going on but it's still <laughs> star wars if you change it to english so yeah yeah oh man now i'm just thinking like we have that you can either have one-on-one sword fights with the joy con or you can dual wield <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell me that would be oh, awesome like that would be uh, awesome. I, I'd play that game. Like, like uh. It needs to happen. People have been begging for a good Star Wars thing, and the closest I think they ever got was, like, the... What was it? The... Um, I can't Force even remember the thing. Force but, Unleashed? Uh, well, Force Unleashed kind of had it on the Wii, but I, I was thinking more in terms of the um, the one that was for Connect, uh, Star Wars Connect. Like, there was a thing there. Oh, are but, you talking about the one with the Han Solo dance minigame? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was also a lightsaber thing in there, too. But again, you're not holding anything, and that loses the effect. So being able to hold something like you can with the Joy-Con might enhance it more so maybe that'll finally happen it'd be insane if they don't but we'll see <laughs> uh, it really like a good lightsaber game is what people have been asking out of star wars for years mm. it's like it's the, the first thing you did when you unboxed your wii was like make little lightsaber noises <laughs> with the with the handle yeah so, and you yeah, can even so, switch it switch weapons and maybe make it a pistol and shoot in that way yeah. Oh man, uh, so uncivilized. <laughs> so so uncivilized. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness. But uh, what was your other uh, topic that you picked? Up? Um, my other topic comes from comes to us from Straw Hat Ninja, and he asked, "What has your favorite Nintendo franchise changed over time? For example, Mario used to be my favorite. Now it's Fire Emblem." Um, and I thought that that was very interesting because that actually did kind of happen to me because for the longest time. Not only my favorite Nintendo franchise, but probably, like, one of my favorite franchises ever was um, uh, Pokemon. And not that I dislike Pokemon nowadays, 
But I think I've kind of grown to like other franchises much more than I like Pokemon. Like, for example, Kirby, uh, for instance. Like, I enjoyed Kirby when I was a kid. Like, uh, maybe it wasn't that... I just never considered him my favorite, even though I played nearly every game that came out, and I watched <laughs> the TV show religiously. But it wasn't something that I paid too much attention to until a couple of years later, and I'm thinking about a lot of my favorite games on different consoles, and I'm like, oh, I love... Kirby 64, I love Kirby Triple Deluxe, I love Nightmare in Dreamland, I really like the TV show. Yes, even the dub. The dub is good. <laughs> <laughs> Sue me. Um, and then I'm like, wow, I really, really like Kirby. That was kind of, it's not that I grew to like it more, I just kind of grew to appreciate it more, I think, mm-hmm. as well. Um, but yeah, like, not that I've, I've kind of fallen out with Pokemon a little bit over time, because I was, I'm kind of infamous for not really liking the fourth generation all that much. I kind of got out i've kind of had ebbs and flows ever since then like i i didn't like gen 4 very much at all but i love gen 5 gen 6 was okay and gen 7 is amazing so um (laughs) you know i've kind of had waves with that whereas my love for other franchises has been more steadily growing and and not really had those dips like i've never really had a dip for kirby for instance Mm -hmm. um also uh paper mario i love paper mario 1 2 and i love super paper mario as well but um Ever since, it's been a little bit rough. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, just a little bit. A no, little bit. <laughs> it, it, it's funny how your tastes do change with times because, because like when I first started um, playing games, it was Mario. That's what it came with. So my, you know, my parents knew I liked Mario, so they would pick up Mario Two, Mario Three. Because I started gaming when I was three. I didn't have tastes. They just got me whatever <laughs> I, you know, they just got me whatever. And fortunately, fortunately, it was the age of. Capcom making really good Disney games. <laughs> so that kind of worked out for me. And, um, you know, I just get all these different games, try them out. But the thing is, I never grew up with Metroid. I never grew up with Zelda. Never grew up with a lot of these games that were considered classics. Uh, my only experience with Kirby for the longest time was Dreamland 2 on the Game Boy Advance. And that's all I played of a series until much later. And so Mario was my favorite, and he's still technically my favorite because my favorite game to this day is still Super Mario Brothers 3. That is a game I can return to anytime and have a just a blast with. And But there's also games that were not on my radar that now I love. Like, since I, I didn't get into Zelda until Ocarina of Time, uh, when I borrowed a friend's Zen 64 in that game and got into the Zelda games, and once I had a GameCube, I picked up Wind Waker and picked up just as many of those games as I could as they came out and tried to revisit them because I knew I just really liked that format. Same with Metroid when I finally started getting that and those became favorites. Uh, and then there we have, then we have final fantasy, which I, during the heyday, when I started playing seven, eight, well, eight and well, eight in retrospect, I don't enjoy much, but at the time I was really into, um, <laughs> nine, 10, I like, for a while, and then of course the remakes of all the others going back to the past I love the Final Fantasy series now I'm merely I'd say like and to really like depending on the game like I still appreciate the series as a whole but 12 is where they started losing me 13 did nothing for me 15 I've only played about 2 hours of so I need to actually sit down but I've heard good things so I still it, like the series but Final it's not Fantasy one of my is, favorites it's, anymore Final Fantasy is so weird because it's so eclectic in terms of style and quality. Mm -hmm. Like, you could, 
Um, like, it's one of the big comparisons between Dragon Quest and Final Fantasy is if you like a Dragon Quest game, chances are you're going to enjoy, to some extent, all of them. Whereas if you only like Dra- uh, Final Fantasy VIII, you might not like any other Final Fantasy game <laughs> that you ever try, ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's so... It's so weird with yeah. how the series is that way um in mm. that respect so yeah it's kind of weird like what you are and aren't given a chance to like what you do have a chance to play as a kid mm-hmm. really does shape your interest growing older because um when i was growing up i only got a handful of new games a year because um i didn't get an allowance growing up basically instead of getting 10 bucks every week my parents would generally be like okay let's go to the movies and they would pay to go to the movies for me pretty Mm -hmm. much is how we would do things so generally speaking i really only got new games on my birthday and christmas i did not get it, it would be a rare treat to get a game other than that so like i generally was only playing four or five games a year generally so i played those games a lot i played a lot of paper mario i played a lot of pokemon i played a lot of um, I played a lot of, oh God, I'm, I'm blanking on it. Sonic? Like Mario got, uh, oh, Sonic Adventure 2. I loved Sonic Adventure 2. And, um, mm. you know, Sonic, Sonic is his own discussion. So let's, <laughs> let's save him for, for later. Yeah. No, I, uh, you know, I still enjoy Sonic. I still really like Sonic. I mean, he's had his up and downs, but that's, again, that's a favorite franchise of mine. I really enjoy going to those games. And I, I think that's what it is. It's like my tastes have become more nuanced over the years where I, I can recognize the faults of certain series and where they've gone up and down. But I also really la- realize that I'm going to try out these games. There's a new Zelda. I'm going to try that. There's a new Mario. Going to try that. There's a new Metroid. Going to try that. There's a new Kingdom Hearts. Going to try that. So, uh. <laughs> and if it, you know, I will still say it to this day, and you're going to give me heck for it because I know you do not like the Kingdom Hearts series. But uh, Kingdom Hearts is my favorite franchise. It's not my favorite. No game in the series is my individual favorite. But as a whole, I love that franchise. And I know it has its faults. Don't care. Still love it. <laughs> it's it. You know, it's one of those things where, like, when you, uh, I don't want to say, like, when you get older, but mm. eventually you do kind of realize that it's okay to like something, even if it does have faults, yeah. for instance. Like, you don't, and it doesn't have to be a guilty pleasure either. Like, that's kind of one of those things that I kind of dislike. Like, I don't mm. have very many guilty pleasures, because if I like something, and it's not like, uh, reaping the souls of the innocent or something like that. You don't have to feel guilty about it, you know? Yeah. Like, I like I like Full House, for instance, the <laughs> TV show. I'm not going to be screaming from the rooftops that I love Full House, although I guess I am screaming to the internet right now that I like Full House. But, like, I, I enjoy it as silly and corny and dumb as it can be. I love that show, and it makes me happy watching it, so... Do I feel? Do I need to feel guilty about that? No, not really. In the mm-hmm. same way, like Sonic Adventure Two might be a tremendously flawed game in some aspects, but it's still better than Adventure One. <laughs> I mean, it's still I still had a lot of fun with it. So, like, I, I can still say that I like it, and I don't need to be embarrassed about it. So. Yeah, I think that's like there is this weird thing of shame. Like, oh, I, I, I when you're younger, it's like, oh, if I know if people know I you're like still this. Play, you're still playing Pokemon? Man, what a loser. Exactly. <laughs> that that judgment that comes out for, for still playing certain things, and you're like, uh... And no, no, it's my it's my brother's game. I'm just helping <laughs> him with it. Yeah, yeah. Uh. 
I'm only playing The Little Mermaid on NES for my sister. That's a really good game, by the way. <laughs> it's easy as hell, but it's a, I, I actually really enjoy The Little Mermaid on NES. <laughs> it's, it's whatever, you know. It's, it's A good game is a good game, and that's 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 sort of where I come out at this point. And then, like, there's games that have issues that I still really enjoy, and that's what it comes down to, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, I think it's... Franchise, your taste in franchises, like your favorites, do change, but I think it's also because your tastes change over time uh, and what you're able to be exposed to. So, good question. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, this is the last question we had, right? Yeah. Uh, well, this is my last question. Uh, you answered both of yours, and I have my second question, which comes to us from Evan, who says uh, Reviews are pouring in for Horizon Zero Dawn, and so far it's pretty much completely positive, which is exciting. More good games out there is good for everyone, right? I mean, I am by no means a Sony fanboy, but I appreciate what they do. All of a sudden, though, Horizon Zero Dawn doing well makes me nervous for Zelda. Like, everything like everything is a competition. What's inside gamers that makes console wars so important? And have you, and have you ever felt compelled to participate in the console wars? So, I thought this was interesting because that is a... It is a very interesting point. And, uh, you know, as somebody that owns a PS4 as well as, well, the Switch coming out, um, that is a choice I have to make. And I am going to play Zelda first. I'm waiting longer for Zelda. But as soon as Zelda's done and I find the free time, I'm going back to Horizon Zero Dawn because of hearing all the good things. And I was excited from it just watching the preview events and stuff. And, like, I have not touched the game at all, never played it. But hearing the good reviews, seeing what I saw, I'm like, and I'm just all for it. Like I, I really want to try out the game itself. But as for what makes the console wars so important, I, and like, I don't think they're as important as back in the day. Like, I, I've never seen it get as intense as Sega versus Nintendo, where the companies themselves were taking snipes at each other. You don't see Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo sniping each other as much. A little bit with Sony when the whole xbox one thing was getting launched you know that's the first time i saw uh sniping of that caliber between console makers in a long time and i think it's it was also much more prevalent back in the day because well most of us didn't have the money to buy multiple consoles like i went from nes to sega genesis i didn't have a super nintendo so i was a genesis kid but I also, because I love my super, my original Nintendo, I'm like, oh, man, those Super Nintendo games look really good. <laughs> so The psychology yeah. of the console wars is very interesting to me. Like, I, I get, honestly, especially when you consider, like, I think that the console wars themselves became a little bit less prevalent once, like, Microsoft hit the scene. Because I feel like consoles became much more similar at that time. It was mm-hmm. mostly a matter of... If you got a PS2 version of something versus a GameCube or Xbox version, it was mostly just like a couple seconds of load times of difference. But I get why there become that like why there is so much heated because you don't want to be like obviously like if you're a if you were a, a Super Nintendo kid back in the day, you might not have admitted it, but Sonic looked really cool. Like you <laughs> wanted to play that game, but you uh-huh. didn't. You had Super Mario World. So I don't need Sonic. I got Super Mario World. This game's so much better than Sonic. I don't even need it. Baka. It's like it's one of those kinds of things. I think is is that people get very defensive. Like obviously, people love the love games. People love the game companies that make games that they love. Sorry, that's really mm-hmm. redundant sounding. Yeah, but people right. love Nintendo because Nintendo brings them so many games that they enjoy. Same for people who enjoy Sony and enjoy Microsoft. So 
to some extent, it's kind of like rooting for your home team where, like, for example, like, I'm always really happy when I see that Nintendo sales are doing well because, yes, this game company that I enjoy, who makes games that I love, is doing well. That makes me happy, just like, you know, if you see the the team you like, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're a Boston Red Sox fan and you see the Red Sox won a game, you're excited because, yes, your team won the game. So... Yeah, that there, it's kind of like, it, it becomes competitive because you, like, obviously, you know, this is more of a thing as the gaming audience is skewed o- older, you get more expendable income and you can buy, you can buy a PS4 and an Xbox and a, and a Switch and you can have, you don't have to pick and choose, but mm-hmm. still there are a lot of people who can only afford one console or can only afford a game every three, four months or whatever. And they have to, they have to pick, they have to be picky. And, you know, you don't want to feel like you made the wrong choice. You don't want to be stuck with the super Nintendo and then be looking at Sonic two and being like, Oh man, I would really rather be playing that than been playing <laughs> super Mario world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, I think it's a lot of that going into the minds of people. I think you're right. I, I think you're, you've completely nailed it. It's, it's the fact that, you want to make sure, make sure you had the right choice. And I'm, I'm very grateful that I never felt the need to be like, Oh, you stupid. Like I, Genesis is way better. You're so stupid for not having a, you know, Genesis Sonic is way better than Mario's like, no, I'd look at my, I'd go over to my cousin's place and they'd have super Nintendo and they'd have Donkey Kong country and super Mario world and all this. I'm like, Man, I wish I had a Super Nintendo. Mom, get buy me a Super Nintendo. No, dang it. <laughs> yeah, so. I remember. Uh, I remember. I went to my cousin's house like back in, um, like probably like what two thousands, uh, I think, and mm. they had Sonic Adventure on the Dreamcast, and I played that, and I was like, my mom, and I talked to my mom, and she was like, "Can we get a Dreamcast so I can get this game?" And my mom's like, "You." we don't need to have two different consoles mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. And I was, and I couldn't argue with that because, you know, you're right. I love my N64. I love Banjo 2. I love Paper Mario. I love Pokemon stadium. You know, I don't, you're just going to miss out on some stuff, mm-hmm. obviously when you only own one, one console, and you, can, <laughs> you can only own one console. You don't have the option to get both. The, the, so, par- the parents were often the gate, the, the, like that gate because they could look at it and be like, I mean, to them, it all looks the same. Like, what is the difference? What is the real difference between the Genesis and the Super Nintendo? It's like, you have one, you don't need the other. It's whatever, you know? Oh, that, that actually reminds me of something like, uh, when the 2001, when the, when the next generation was coming out, mm-hmm. like my mom said, like, okay, so you've got an N64 right now, and you like it, but I hear that a lot of people like the PlayStation 2, and I'm actually surprised that my mom knew that much about what was going on at that point. Mm-hmm. So she was like, if you had to choose between getting a PlayStation 2 and getting a GameCube, what would you want? And, like, I thought about it for a little bit, and I was just like, I know the... And I think at the time I said, like, I know the games that are coming out on the GameCube. I know there's going to be Mario. I know that there's going to be stuff that I want to play on there. Mm-hmm. Whereas when it comes to the PS2, that's stuff that I'm not as familiar with. So well, uh, so I said, like, if I had to choose, I'm going to stick with what I know. And my mom was like, okay. And so I ended up getting a GameCube. And so, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where it's just interesting to think if it was just like, okay, all of my friends are probably going to have a PS2. I'm going to go with that. Like, how would I have felt? Like, how would I be right now if I didn't transition I, I, that way? Yeah. Like, if I had picked I, the other, if I had picked the other choice. It is, know? it is fascinating because it was, it was so funny. Like, I'd have the PS2 and the GameCube, but all my friends, at least in high school, um, for always playing Xbox because it had Halo and you could do the crazy 16-person LAN parties. 
And that was so huge when I was in high school. Uh, like they'd um, they would stake out the, this one science room that had like a projector and hook it up there and have multiple TVs set up so they would actually play towards the end of the year during like long breaks and stuff like that. And they'd get them with they'd get them with their uh, courses or they'd get them with tests and they just go to this science room that wasn't being used and just play uh, play Halo like multiplayer and it was it was nuts uh it was all because of that one game and i i knew that the playstation multiplayer experience just could not compare at all and the gamecube nobody was interested <laughs> unfortunately anybody uh, want to do double dash land party guys yeah, yeah exactly anybody? good luck <laughs> Good luck convincing that. I, you know, with my group of friends back in the day, I had a hard time convincing them to play Smash. <laughs> so <laughs> it was yeah. it was a bit rough. But that's I think that's also part of the reason why I, and because I also just didn't have a lot of people to play with back in the day, is why I'm so inclined for single player gaming or co op experiences where I can enjoy the single player with just with a friend. Competitive, I can I I can enjoy, but it's never been a huge draw for me. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well. It's kind of weird. It's it's kind of gone back and forth with me because, like, I didn't think so either, and then Splatoon came out. And then yeah. I started playing Splatoon all the time, and I love that game's multiplayer. So, mm-hmm. But, like, fighting games, for instance, I never played Street Fighter going up. Like, I didn't play Street Fighter until, like, 2007 or eight or whatever. And, like, I still don't get how people came to have, like, quarter circles and backwards flips like these arcane feeling motions to me on the on the joystick like i don't get how those became standard like how does going in a quarter circle forward make a fireball that doesn't make sense to me like but like something like smash brothers where or even tekken which is normally considered a much more technical game and a much harder game to get into than street fighter that makes more sense to me because okay each button is a limb i i string leg arm other leg that makes a combo that makes sense to me you know so it's mm. it's so i'm probably never going to be good at street fighter styled fighting games i'm never going to be good <laughs> at marvel versus capcom i'm never going to be good at blaze blue i'm never going to be good at dark dark stalkers but you know i might have a chance with other stuff so <laughs> yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah again single player stuff uh, when it comes to single player i play fighting games for the story <laughs> as stupid as that is <laughs> I, I i just do i like <laughs> I like these characters. I think it's interesting. Like, what kind of story are they going to throw out of me? And I, I'll play. I'll, I'll get into the story of it if if there's actually something to enjoy from the story. <laughs> but not yeah. that the story's good, but it might be enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I I'm very glad that there's not as. I mean, they're still there. Of course, there's still people oh. there that like ah screw the you screw Nintendo or you know Nintendo fans like screw Sony and Microsoft like eh we don't like like them. It's like. No, I, there's games on each that I would like to play, and I have to choose because I'm not going to go all out. Because unfortunately, from in Microsoft's case with me, there's just not enough there for me to um, validate myself purchasing an Xbox One. But there's plenty on the PlayStation Four that I want to play, including Horizon Zero Dawn. So that's yeah. something like that's, I. It's going to have to come after Zelda. I'm afraid I've waited too long for Zelda. <laughs> yeah, like I kick myself every time. Like I go to Catherine. I have to go to Catherine's to play Dragon Quest Heroes. Like I can't play that. On my Wii U, and I'm, I might not even be able to play it on the Switch, and it's just like, okay, this console has games that I definitely want to play, like Tekken <laughs> 7 or mm-hmm. or whatever. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. At least with the Switch, maybe you'll eventually get Dragon Quest Heroes, and hopefully if they get if they uh, localize it here, you'll be, be able to play Dragon Quest XI on your Switch, or at the very least your 3DS. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm hoping. Yeah. You know, we'll yeah. see. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I think that takes care of it for episode 49 of the Game Explained Real uh, Real Talk podcast. So thank you guys for listening. And Ted, go ahead and plug yourself. <laughs> okay, so hi, I'm Ted, uh, otherwise known as X and Shadow. Um, I'm a member of Brain Scratch Comms. We do uh, commentaries on all sorts of games, Nintendo, Sony. I don't think we've done anything Microsoft exclusive yet, but it'll <laughs> happen eventually. Um, I also have my own solo channel where I do uh, some more eclectic stuff. Right now I'm doing a playthrough of Dragon Quest Heroes with my good friend Catherine. Um, I'm also doing Castlevania Aria of Sorrow completely blind. So if you want to see me fail spectacularly at that game, you should check that out. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, I'd really appreciate it if you gave me a shot and thanks for listening. Yep. Uh, Ted, Ted does good work and definitely check out his Shimigami Tensei analysis if you, if you haven't already. Uh, I suspect as more information comes out about, about that, we might enlist him to do more <laughs> and uh, put, put, him, put him to work and all that stuff. But yeah. Please, no. <laughs> yeah, you've, you, you've, got, <laughs> you've got a taste of it. You know better now. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Uh, Again, thank you guys for listening. And if you want these podcasts three days early, every Friday, uh, definitely uh, think about supporting us on Patreon. It's just $1 a month, and you also get to offer up topics like these. So, as always, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll we'll see you next time. Bye.